0: One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time, too! Screen time! Screen Hello, screen and welcome to It's My Screen Time, Two, the it's podcast where two moms fondly remember their 20s when a sick day or a snow day meant laying on the couch, watching Lifetime movies, because that's all that was on. Yeah. I actually feel lucky that streaming services were not available in my twenties. I yeah. would never have gotten anything done. That's probably Anyway, true. I'm, I'm Deborah, <laughs> and I'm Katie. <laughs> and I have three kids. I have six-year-old twins named Libby and Nate, and a nine-year-old named Tony. And
1: I have a three-and-a-half-year-old named Jay and a almost six-month-old named Kenny. On the whole, even on snow days, our kids are adorable, aren't they, Deborah? they pretty much are by the time you hear this this will hopefully be over but i'm talking to deborah in the middle of the polar vortex up north so i'm goading her about having her kids home so why don't you tell us a quick story about how awesome or perhaps awful your children have been this week
0: okay so remember in like elementary or even high school when your school would do a week where you dressed in different like themes every day, like crazy hair day, wacky dress day. So my kids school did that this week Mm -hmm. and they had decade day, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which my third grader got. And he like went through his clothes and he pulled out an outfit that sort of fit into the seventies. And he was really excited about it. And then my kindergartner, Nate said, what's a decade? Legit question. And like we had him dress up in like a flannel shirt and be like a 90s grunge theme. And he had, it just went totally over his poor little head. Because it's about nostalgia, right? You don't have nostalgia for
1: previous decades when you've only lived through one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like barely even half a decade. Um, So how about you? What cute things are you two
1: up to? We are going to Disney World this weekend. Yay! Yeah, and Jay is very excited, and he keeps asking if his birthday cake is still there from when we went for his third birthday.
0: Oh! (laughs) And I keep having to
1: explain (laughs) that that would, in fact, be disgusting. (laughs) So it'll be Kenny's first trip to Disney World check back in this space next week for an update. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Which rides Which rides is he most excited about?
1: Um, I think he's most excited about staying in the hotel. He really had a good hotel experience last time.
0: <laughs> Yay, that sounds really fun.
1: What are we talking about for screen time in the news today? All right, so we read an article called Forget Screen Time Rules, Lean into Parenting Your Wired Child, author says, and it's is an an abbreviated transcript of an interview with the author Jordan Shapiro about his new book, The New Childhood, which, you know, I'm always going to love articles and books and everything that puts a rosy tinge on the concept of screen time. So what I took away from this was that his book is looking at how screen time can be viewed as a is a parenting opportunity rather mm-hmm. than just something that we're plopping our kids in front of and melting their brains. More about how we teach them how to mediate the world through discussing the things they're consuming on screen. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it is counter to what I think I do, and I like put very strict limits on the time that they can spend on screens. And this made me think differently about it, like. Screens can be awesome, like, especially if you're going somewhere and you don't know how to get there. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you're out running errands and a friend texts you and wants to set up a play date, like, you don't, like, there are so many advantages to screens. I think sometimes I tend to look at them just negatively because Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids to be, like, video game zombies. Right. But this was This was helpful, I think, especially um, as our kids get older and are using, you know, the internet for research, they're going to be using social media to connect with their peers and like that just terrifies me. But I think having some guidelines instead of just feeling really scared about it would be good. So I think I'm going to look into this book. Mm -hmm. The article was, I mean, basically like this author is on like a PR tour probably yeah. for <laughs> the new book, but it really got my interest. I'm really curious about the recommendations. Yeah.
1: Listeners, you can't see our faces, Um, but when Deborah started to bring up the concept of social media, we both got this like totally terrified look on our
0: face. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I want to put that off for them as long as I can because mm-hmm. it seems horrible.
1: And I mean it was a good reminder that the more you interact with your kids with the things they're consuming on screen whether it's just watching a movie and talking about the plot or like asking them what's going on in their Mario Brothers walkthrough the more likely they are to like talk with you a little bit when it comes to things like social media later on. I mean I'm not an idiot. I know that I'm not going to have a Gilmore Girls relationship with my children where they tell me everything. But like... You're not? <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, I'm hoping to. Maybe at least if screen time, if they're not brought up with screen time being this vilified thing that their parents hate, then, mm-hmm. you know, there can be more of a, of a dialogue to make sure that these terrifying things don't happen. I don't know. That... Maybe it's too rosy a way to look at it, but I like it. I like the rosy way.
0: The new childhood.
1: We'll check it out, and you should too. Before we move on to our main topic, I just wanted to give a shout out. Again, listeners, we are, talk- we are recording this at the end of January, so you'll be hearing this a little late, but I just wanted to give a shout out to an actor from one of our old favorites. This past weekend was the broadcast of Rent Live on Fox and it was fine we're not here to talk about that but we wanted to give a little shout out to Jordan Fisher who played the role of Mark and Rent Live and did a fine job and he was an alum from one of our favorites Teen Beach movie so way to go little Jordan moving from Disney friendly musicals to once transgressive now kind of Tame musicals on television. Well done.
0: Prime time. Yeah, Live on prime time. That's amazing. <laughs> so this week we watched Carmen Sandiego. I've really been looking forward to this one because it's something I loved as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Netflix show. It's really new. It premiered on January 18th. The year is now 2019, and it stars Gina Rodriguez as Carmen. For those of you Gen Xers slash older millennials, you may remember <laughs> the computer game that was big in the 80s. And then later there was a game show on PBS with the title Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego and also an animated cartoon. And in this Netflix like reimagining of the show, Carmen is a white hat criminal mm-hmm. is the best way I can put it um, so she's out there going all over the world committing crimes but she's committing crimes to right the wrongs of the vile criminal enterprise so she herself is a shady character but she's doing it because she hates what the vile criminals are doing and she has the help of a white hat hacker friend and some other co-workers partners in white hat crime um, so we picked it because, obviously, Carmen Sandiego was so good when we were kids. We've watched quite a few shows that are reboots from our childhood. <laughs> we're playing right into the hands of the creators of these show shows. Um, so it's a pretty serialized show. So we watched just the first three episodes, Becoming Carmen Sandiego, parts one and two, and then episode three, The Sticky Rice Caper We'll go through these episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts.
1: Okay. Um, So Becoming Carmen Sandiego part one introduces us to the child Carmen Sandiego who was abandoned and brought up on this island. And the only thing on the island is this school for thieves run by Vile. So she is essentially brought up to be a thief. When she's I don't know, I guess a young teenager, she finally convinces the staff to admit her as a student, even though she's younger than everyone else who would be there. And she's really excited because, you know, she's been raised to believe that being a thief is this wonderful thing and she's already very skilled. So she goes to thief school, she meets some friends, and she excels by all accounts until it comes time to do the final exam in which uh, an instructor who has it out for her essentially makes it impossible for her to pass. So all of her friends graduate from Thief School and she does not graduate. Um, So she's really disappointed. She's convinced that they are keeping her from graduating for some reason. So instead of just taking her fate sitting down, she decides to sneak away with the newest class of graduates as they go on their first caper. And that's where episode one ends. Right. Uh, Do you want to just summarize episode two really quick and then we'll talk about them both together because it was kind of a two-parter?
0: Sure. So when she's stowing away on this mission, they end up at an archaeological dig in morocco and carmen sees what the vile criminals are doing and she realizes that they're criminals she thwarts their mission and then she gets in big trouble back at vile and we see this is like the or like the apex of her origin story like she gets they're all hunting her throughout the school she has to escape so she pretends to be the bookkeeper of vile and she steals the bookkeeper's um, red hat and red trench coat. And she's able to leave Vile in disguise. And up until now, she's been known as Black Sheep. That's like her name, which is not a name that you can go by out in the real world. <laughs> so when she um, makes contact with her white hat hacker friend, then he asks her what her name is. She looks inside the hat, the label on the hat is um, a late fashion label called Carmen and it's made in San Diego so that is where her name comes from and she like cruises off on a boat and um, escapes Vile but as we see later they're still tracking her. So what did you think about
1: Carmen's origin story?
0: I really liked it. I have a lot of questions. It said that she just showed up at Vile and she all, the only belongings she had with her were a set of Russian nesting dolls, mm-hmm. which she still has in her possession as a young adult, Carmen San Diego.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really want to know who her parents are. I really want to know who would drop their baby off at a school for criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so good. I really liked it. How about you? I. Liked it as well. I had the
1: same questions that you did. I wondered how Carmen, who is presented as so smart and so capable, could have grown up in Vile her entire life and not realized they were stealing
0: things? Seriously.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a major hit to her intelligence, But on the whole, I'm a total sucker for a good origin story. I can see Spider-Man get bit by the radioactive spider a million times. Like, I seriously don't mind. Yeah, I thought it was great. I was very engaged. I loved the whole, like, oh, she just randomly pulled this name literally out of the hat. And that is where her whole uh, legend began. I loved it.
0: Yeah, and there's just a lot of suspense. I mean, her... So there's... Like, the instructors back at the school are tracking her moves, and they know what she's up to, and they're trying to thwart her. The, like, crew of criminals out in the world is tracking her. Interpol is also tracking her, Mm -hmm. and Interpol is, like, this pair of detectives, and, like, one is, like, a hapless guy. Um, The other one is a very um, smart but inexperienced uh, gumshoe, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. So I liked seeing their interactions and how Carmen was able to thwart them.
1: Yeah, I loved yeah. the cocky detective from Interpol. And I, his name is escaping me for some reason, but it was the same name he had in the computer games. Um, Inspector Devineau or something. Mm-hmm. Um. But he was the perfect, like, just blowhard, thinks he knows everything, but is actually pretty clueless. It was a great role. In fact, like... The show totally sucked me in. And one of the first interactions that he had with Carmen, where they were running across the rooftops, I think it may have been in Paris, and Mm -hmm. he said, freeze, and she froze, and he acted kind of surprised. And then he went to move closer to her, and she started running again, and said, you didn't say for how long, and he shouted after her, it was implied. (laughs) And I was in. I was in from that moment because I'm a sucker for good dialogue. And mm-hmm. this had it. It was, it was good. Should we move on to the sticky rice caper?
0: Um. Yes.
1: Okay. So episode three, the sticky rice caper. Since Carmen's origin story is pretty much wrapped up, this episode introduces us to the format of the show moving forward, which is going to be like a different caper every every episode. Uh, This one takes place in, they're in Jakarta, right? Indonesia. My geography should be better. Okay. So they're in Indonesia (laughs) and uh, the plot they uncover is that Vile is introducing um, poisonous spores into the rice crop so they can sell their imitation rice, which is really horrible. So Carmen, I almost called her Cameron. So Carmen needs to thwart this sticky rice plot. And she is accompanied by her two friends from Boston. And I cannot believe I didn't write down their names. Was it Jake and Ivy? Ivy. Yep. Jake and Ivy. They are like a pair of redheaded siblings from Boston with very stereotypical Boston accents. And so they are running through the jungles of Indonesia trying to thwart this rice caper and they end up at a big festival where they come face to face with Carmen's former classmates and they have to fight to stop them from releasing the spores and uh, in the end Carmen and her allies are triumphant and the rice is saved and we all learned a little something about Indonesia and shadow puppetry.
0: Okay, a couple things I liked how they interspersed the facts about the country that they were visiting. I felt like it was slightly educational, mm-hmm. but not in an overt like knock you over the head with it way. I did not know that Indonesia has the fourth largest population in the world. I did not know that either. I found that fascinating. Yeah, same. Even though so many people live there, is selling instant rice really a big money maker?
1: I got the feeling like it was maybe less. Well, it was certainly for for the money, but also just for the fact that it would be unpleasant for the people affected by it, and the folks at vile would really like to impose hardship on other people.
0: Yeah, so they're like criminals, but they're also just mean. Yeah. Like mean-spirited, because like they were trying to steal a big diamond from the archaeological dig in Episodes 1 and 2, which makes sense, like big precious gemstone that they could sell or barter on the black market would make them a lot of money. But yeah, this was an interesting <laughs> criminal uh, mastermind plot. Um, also, speaking of dialogue, which you mentioned about um, Episode 1, there was a exchange between tigress one of the vile criminals where she shades carmen and calls her dora the explorer <laughs> which i thought was hilarious and carmen was like that's why i unfriended you tigress <laughs> so i thought that was a really funny exchange i like i liked the back the back and forth yeah. between carmen and her former classmates
1: didn't she call her fedora the explorer like oh is that it okay <laughs>
0: well that's even better <laughs> good one
1: yeah there was some really great snappy rubber tea i liked it a lot um what did you think of ivy and his name just flew right out of my head jake, or jake. nick it's it's not nick are you sure okay i'm
0: sure it was jake jake and ivy okay what
1: did you think of jake and ivy
0: they were funny and i liked like when they were leaving paris jake was really angry because um, the other two didn't have time to get any fromage and baguette <laughs> <laughs> for him to snack on on the plane um they seemed a little bit like ham-handed like how can these two really be sluck counter criminals right because they were like loud they both had like red bright red hair and freckles so like they would really stand out in a place (laughs) like Indonesia I think yes I wasn't quite sure what Carmen was doing (laughs) with them and how they were really gonna help her out
1: right and plus I was kind of annoyed by Jake because I feel like the trope of the teenage guy who is always hungry is so overdone like, that was the entirety of his character was that he was mad that they weren't eating along the way,
0: you know? Yeah, I guess I identify with him. You've traveled with me. That's kind of how I live my life.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fine. But maybe if they had flipped the script and made Ivy the one who was hungry all the time, I would have less of a problem with it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see, Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I just feel like it was kind of a cheap character definition move.
0: So... Did you play the Carmen Sandiego computer game or watch the show or the animated show?
1: I'm old enough that there was a time when there were three reasons you went to the computer lab at school. One Mm -hmm. of them was to learn to type. Mm -hmm. One of them was to play Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. And the third was to play Carmen Sandiego.
0: Yeah, same same.
1: <laughs> My geography knowledge should be better than it is because I so looked forward to those opportunities, but again, old enough that opportunities to go to the computer lab weren't all that common. Like I don't even feel like it was
0: weekly. Yeah, it may not have been weekly. Gosh, remember floppy disks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember playing the game, although I I looked up at you can see YouTube videos of like mm-hmm. what the game looked like. And I didn't have much of a memory about that. Whereas I feel like Oregon Trail, the interface is pretty like indelibly, indelibly etched onto my brain. Yeah,
1: really the only images I remember from playing Carmen San Diego is seeing the great big USSR on the map. And I think mm-hmm. I remember it so distinctly because shortly after that the USSR did not exist um yeah so when I think about that time in history like that image from the computer screen comes up in my head mm-hmm. um and I also remember that it was it was quite text-based like you did a lot of reading it wasn't quite mm-hmm. like we think of video games today that are so visual and there was a right, lot of reading right,
0: right right which is good I I think it was a good game. Um, I was not really even aware inst- until I saw your show notes that there was an animated series. But I do remember watching and really liking the game show that mm-hmm. was on PBS. Mm-hmm. And also, I wa- I went down the YouTube rabbit hole. You can watch, like, old episodes uh-huh. of Carmen Sandiego on YouTube. And they the ones I watched are, like, somebody recording it as it's playing on a TV. So the quality is <laughs> terrible. But... It's, I had um, a lot of nice feelings of nostalgia, like mm-hmm. going down that rabbit hole. And the theme song was so good. Yeah, and I did so not realize
1: good. that that theme song was just for the PBS game show. There was a different theme song for the animated series, but just that it's
0: so catchy. Where
1: in the world is Carmen, San Diego?
0: I loved it and like there was the guy with the really deep voice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an acapella group Ugh. I wish that they would have been able to um, use that for this cartoon because then I think it would have just been like beyond all my expectations
1: but tonally I feel like it's not like they're trying for that more gritty
0: I know I know
1: you can't see my face but I just made a... up <laughs> I'm so over that face (laughs) but maybe the theme song that we so love would be would contradict that unfortunately
0: um so I as a child tween which I was when Carmen Sandiego was on I don't think I really realized that she was a criminal yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and this one is in this reboot on Netflix it's like that's the crux of the whole show what are your thoughts on crime school
1: my primary thought was why do criminals have to graduate from crime school like why do they care at excelling at crime school they're criminals
0: <laughs> right right I have the same initial reaction but then this is jumping ahead a little bit because I really thought that this show compared a lot to the Bourne Jason Bourne movies yeah yeah the born identity and like people who enter the cia like they go there and they learn how to commit crimes yeah that's true right mm-hmm. i mean like they train to be like assassins and conduct espionage against foreign entities and um i'm sure they have hackers in their employ so i guess it makes sense like there need y- you need to have some structure Yeah, and why wouldn't they have
1: structure on the other side, not just the uh, law enforcement side? No, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, and not all criminals can be autodidacts, I don't think. They probably need some formal training.
1: I just love that there's like an overarching organization who's interested is to train future criminals.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, do they
1: all go on to work for Vile? Or like, do some of them go on to like their own little criminal enterprises? And Vile is happy to like have invested in their education and then just let them go.
0: That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think we. I don't. We only watched the first three episodes. I don't think we know exactly how far-reaching the Vile Empire. Goes. Maybe it's like
1: going to West Point, where like you have to commit for a certain number of years, and then you can go your own way. So you have to be a thief for vile yeah. for like five years and then you can be your own thief.
0: That would seem like a fair exchange for <laughs> the education that they provide. I think so. I think it's interesting that you
1: brought up your questions about Carmen's parents because, well, the first two episodes did a really good job of setting up her origin and then the third episode kind of changed tack to the caper of the week format, you're right that there are lingering questions that could sustain a longer serialized show. So in that Mm -hmm. sense, I thought it was put together really smartly. It's obviously not so much a reboot as it is a total reimagining. And they have brought in elements from the other versions, like the white hat hacker that Carmen interacts with is Mm -hmm. just referred to as player And Mm -hmm. I did not. And obviously, when you were playing the computer game, the computer called you player. But I just watched a little clip of the animated show. And I had forgotten that that was structured around like a little live action shot at the beginning of like a kid on their computer in their Mm -hmm. bedroom. And... Carmen would taunt them and refer to them as Player. So in this case, Player is Carmen's ally, but it's a nod back to the games and the old series where Player was Carmen's adversary. Uh, so the new show abandons the whole, and I don't know if this is the right way to say this, but the second person framing, like, it's not talking directly to you. It's telling you Carmen's story. mm mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Which I thought, interestingly enough, could be a real missed opportunity for the interactive technology that they've been developing, like we saw in um Stretch Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Cause you could really go a long way to sort of making this show more like the computer game in that you would get choices in how things went. More recently, there's been a lot of press given to the interactive episode of Black Mirror that came out. Have you watched it?
0: Oh, Balder
1: (laughs) Strong? Benedict Cumberbatch? Banderdash? (laughs) I think it's called Bandersnatch. (laughs)
0: okay i have not i've heard about it but i have and i mean i was curious about that because we watched the stretch armstrong Mm -hmm. i think this would be an awesome show for a blend i can envision it like the cd-rom adventure things that were available when i was like in junior high Mm -hmm. because you could choose where she goes next but yeah you could eventually view all the options like in a choose your own adventure story Mm -hmm.
1: maybe down the line they'll do like isolated episodes like that kind of like stretch armstrong did i guess that's my hope for it that would be great
0: so gina rodriguez plays carmen and she's from jane the virgin right Mm -hmm. yeah i thought she was excellent did you have any thoughts about any of the other characters
1: i have heard some complaints voices some complaints from Bostonians about the twins' accents. Uh, Oh, yeah. Sort of in a similar way that Deborah hates Midwestern accents on television almost uniformly because they're inaccurate. But since I'm not from Boston, I I couldn't pick up on whether they were good or bad. Uh, I did think Gina Rodriguez was great. The (laughs) The characters the one thing that they did carry over another thing that they carried over from the games was all of Carmen's associates in the games had like really punny names like mm-hmm. stupid punny criminal names so in one of the early episodes when like the graduates are picking what their criminal names are going to be mm-hmm. one of the characters names is Graham and He is like a former electrician. So he uses this like almost cattle prod like device when he is a Mm -hmm. thief. And he's like, my criminal name will be Graham Crackle. And everyone else (laughs) is like, no, they'll never take us seriously if we have stupid punny names. So then he changes his name to just Crackle. But I thought it was funny that they brought up how silly the fact of having a punny name was. Did you have any thoughts about the other characters?
0: I thought they were good. I didn't recognize any of them. I flipped through IMDb. I thought they did a great job. Nobody really stood out mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Moving on to music, I thought the background music was good. It helped set the tone for the right amount of like suspense and action and coming up. And one of the vile villains is a mime which oh, is yeah, also that's right. kind of a funny thing. And whenever he – he didn't get a lot of uh, screen time, but whenever he was, like, trying to act something out, they would play a little, like, tinkly jazz piano in <laughs> the background, which I thought was a nice touch. Any thoughts on the music or moving on to animation style for you?
1: The animation style is really simplistic. It's very much like a comic book. Everything Mm -hmm. is kind of has that angular look about it. When a person isn't talking, their mouth is just like a line. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to traveling to different areas of the globe, they seem to at this, at least thus far, be reducing locations to just like an iconic silhouette. Like, when mm-hmm. they were in Morocco, like, you just saw, like, the window shapes and some, mm-hmm. would it be minarets? Is that the right word? Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, or, like, you know, in Paris, you would just see the Seine and the Eiffel Tower, and it would really just be, like, like, silhouettes. So, nothing had a great deal of detail, and I wonder if you were at all annoyed that that took away from kind of that educational aspect of it because I am terrible at geography I could stand to be better at it I would love to like know what the major sites are in Poitiers but Mm -hmm. I feel like this version is just giving me very broad strokes literally in the way that it's it's animated did you feel that at all
0: I didn't really um because most of the action takes place in the the dark Mm -hmm. at night because that's when criminals are active i guess true so i guess i'm willing to forgive the uh lack of detail Mm -hmm. attention lack of attention to detail in that animation there definitely would be room for more vivid imagery about the places that they visit I guess they
1: tried to do like a little information download at first where like player would send Carmen some information and be like, this is Indonesia, fourth Mm largest population. Like she did get a little download that way, but I, I don't know. I guess the animation, I felt like it was a little bit of a missed opportunity, but that could just be because I'm a nerd and I want, I want everything to be school. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So were you able to compare this to any adult movies or TV shows?
1: I love a good heist film or heist show. So I immediately thought of Ocean's Eleven or Mm -hmm. there was this British television show that I watched a long time ago, long enough ago that I actually had to Google it to remember its name called Hustle. And it was a similar sort of thing where like they were a team of thieves, but they were going after worse people Mm -hmm. with these elaborate heist schemes and I just I love it I love I love that you get to see the whole process like the different steps that they take like the different cons that go into making a successful mm-hmm. heist I just that stuff has catnip to me so that's what it made me think of uh, you mentioned the Bourne films anything else
0: um just thinking like Carmen Sandiego is like Matt Damon playing Jason Bourne and then Player is like Julia Stiles in the Prague apartment on the the laptop giving him directions. That was pretty much what I had. Also a little bit Ozark on Netflix because it's kind of like the main character gets kind of enmeshed in this crime syndicate Mm
1: -hmm.
0: with maybe better intentions than they end up having down the line. So a little bit of that.
1: Um, I realized I forgot to include on the doc the uh, question about the gritty HBO reboot.
0: That's okay. I only got as far as I love Jaina Rodriguez in this role. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing like a live action Carmen. Mm -hmm. I think she could definitely pull it off if it were filmed in those actual places that would satisfy some of the more... Geographical things. I don't know. I think it, I would like to see it go back to the original PBS show and have it more of a game, a game show. show. I think that mm-hmm. could, that could be really fun. I think, gosh, the opportunities for Carmen San Diego are endless. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good, like, as a skeleton for a TV show or game show concept, it's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think you could go so many different directions with it. As usual, I couldn't decide whether I wanted a comedy or a drama. Mm -hmm. So I had two thoughts. They could do like a HBO Carmen Sandiego starring Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Melissa McCarthy is so funny. But I feel like so often the characters she played, like she plays the root of their funniness is in her weight. Yeah. And she's so funny in so many other ways that I think it would be great to give her a character that is like so instantly recognizable for something other than that. Like the red coat and the red hat. And that would be her immediate visual hook. And then we can just see all the hilarious things she can do with it from there. My other idea, because looking back on YouTube for old episodes of Carmen Sandiego... Uh, I did not realize that Rita Moreno voiced Carmen in the animated series. Oh. So I thought maybe we could do like a Carmen in November like she's late later in her career later in her life like yeah she's not quite as spry as she was she can't do like flips over cars or anything she's maybe trying to come to terms with the life she's chosen for herself the <laughs> fact that she doesn't really have a retirement plan baked into this whole thing I realized that Rita Moreno is probably a little too old but I couldn't really come up with anyone that I liked better
0: I like that <laughs> Is player still involved?
1: Oh, yeah, like a decrepit old player hunched over his computer.
0: Yeah, with like arthritis in his hands from like gripping the mouse <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for the last 25 years.
1: <laughs> I feel like it should be like Christopher Plummer as player. <laughs> We obviously both had quite a bit of experience with Carmen Sandiego growing up. Do you think it was better when we were kids?
0: Different, yes. Not necessarily better. I think this is a great show.
1: Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because my kids aren't old enough yet, but Mm -hmm. is there stuff like this? Is there stuff like Carmen Sandiego anymore? Like, Do they have educational video games that kids are encouraged to play? I'm sure
0: they do. (laughs) Um, My kids get media center time and they do play games. I'm not sure what those look like, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they're not playing like Mario Odyssey during their media center time. (laughs) I wonder what the
1: games will be that like 30 years from now, they're watching television shows about being like, oh, you remember going to the media center and playing Blah? right (laughs) um I agree not necessarily better but different but because I'm such a nerd I tend to think that the original carbon was better
0: theme song for sure would you ever watch this alone voluntarily
1: honestly probably not but I think it's it's fine to watch with Jay it like gives him that little bit of action it's a little bit scary Mm -hmm. um but also has like a teeny tiny educational component to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So I probably would never watch it alone voluntarily. Just because the things that I could possibly watch with my kids, I save up to watch with them. Right. You?
0: Yeah, I am very curious about how this goes. Um, that said, there are so many adult shows that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. I probably will not watch this alone. Um, But that brings us to 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think it's fine, right? I think, I I don't think my six year olds would actually follow it
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: that well. I think Tony could get into it. Um, I actually watched the trailer with Libby and she thought it was a little too scary Mm -hmm. looking for her so I don't think it's bad but it's maybe not right for every kid we're just
1: trying to well not just we're constantly trying to get Jay to understand like the progression of a story and how Mm -hmm. when you really want to know what happens next like the solution is to pay attention and you'll find out what happens next um instead of just every two seconds being like mommy why is that happening mommy why is this (laughs) happening which i understand like it's important for us to interact around screen time but we're also trying to teach him like how a narrative works and yeah watching this show with him it's like he finally kind of sort of got it because he would be like mommy i want to find out why she wears that red coat I didn't really think it was bad for Jay. It, like obviously he's not following the intricacies of it. But um I would definitely prefer to have for me and prefer to have for him the game show version. Yeah. Something about those kids. You remember the end scene? Well, of course you do. You just watched episodes of it on YouTube. <laughs> um, you remember the end scene where, like, they would have to find places on a globe and it was like a big map of the world on the floor. So they would have to actually run yes. to the places. yes, yes, yes. Oh, I loved yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Super, super good concept. Mm-hmm. So ratings? I'm going to give it a five. I thought it was excellent.
1: Yeah. uh, Based only on my nostalgia for previous iterations, I will give it a 4.5 just because (laughs) I'm horrible. But yeah, it was really great. Really fun. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you'd like, you can design an elaborate heist to steal an important artifact and just scrawl Listen to It's My Screen Time 2 on the artifact. We would take that too. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions or article suggestions, just general comments at at my screen time 2 or you can email us at my screen time 2 at gmail.com our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children and our podcast is produced by me Katie tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by
0: parents bye bye screen time too